Hey everybody, our board slash OITE podcast companion book is now available for you to follow along and take notes with our podcast review. Just click the link in the description. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Have you heard about the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Program? The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons has partnered with leading experts in the field to bring you ROCK, the online learning platform developed for U.S. residency programs. Free to residents, ROCK empowers you to build a foundation to prepare you for the OITE and ABOS Part 1 exam. And remember, access to the ROCK content is free for residents. Get started at rock.aaos.org. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Nail It Ortho Podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Spencer Woolwine are doing our OITE slash our board review series. We hope you all are enjoying this. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. This is our board OITE review series. We have weekly episodes on different orthopedic, various orthopedic surgery topics, but this is specifically more tailored towards residents. So without further ado, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and let's go ahead and hop into today's episode. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring Drs. Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Just moving forward to some, I guess, kind of ankle arthritis. Um, what are some of the most common causes of ankle arthritis? Uh, so most commonly it's going to be post-traumatic. And so... I mean, we all we all know somebody who's rolled their ankle multiple times or we've done it ourselves or even sustained a ankle fracture. And so obviously ankle injuries are very common and multiple of those are one bad one, like a P1 is going to lead to post-traumatic arthritis. But we also can't forget about um, other reasons uh, like peripheral neuropathy and the um, development of like Charcot uh, disease of the uh, ankle, although that most commonly affects the midfoot and the hind foot, but can affect the ankle itself. Uh, rheumatoid uh, or other inflammatory type diseases um, can affect the ankle. And then uh, Taylor osteonecrosis is also a, a common enough cause to know about uh, for testing and for consideration should you be going into foot and ankle practice um, that a Taylor uh, osteonecrosis or um, some sort of uh, cartilage defect that goes uh, kind of undiagnosed for a certain amount of time can also lead to tibio-Taylor arthritis. And so say, say you're in clinic um, on your foot and ankle rotation and uh, you're going to see a patient with um, ankle pain. What are some of the HMP findings that are more common with an ankle arthritis type picture? Yeah, and I feel like this is almost the same across almost all joints. <laughs> like you're gonna have pain with like range of motion and weight bearing, and you're gonna have decreased you know range of motion, especially with the ankle. You're gonna have a lot of you know pain and discomfort during dorsiflexion and plantar flexion because we you know we talked about a little earlier the tibial Taylor motion is mostly plantar flexion and dorsiflexion. And again, this next answer is very similar across most of the board, but I guess there are some things we can talk about regarding ankle arthritis. What are some non-surgical treatment options for ankle arthritis? So you're going to start off with some uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories to help knock down that inflammation. Uh, some physical therapy. Um, you can try immobilization with uh, like an ankle brace or an AFO, which kind of helps relieve the 
actual motion through the joint, which is thought to be kind of a driver for continued inflammation. Um, activity modification. So if somebody has ankle arthritis and they are uh, like going out on 10 mile hikes and doing all this other stuff and it's still bothering them, then maybe having them kind of transition to being more of a, a swimmer or a cyclist or something that's not as impact uh, heavy on the ankle joint. Um, and then you can also try shoe modifications like the rocker bottom soles. And the reason why that, why the rocker bottom soles tend to help is that rocker uh, bottom helps with the uh, gait pattern so that you're not having to move so much through the tibiotalar joint itself. The shoe kind of does it for you. So rocker bottom soles with an AFO actually provides a lot of stability for the ankle um, with ankle arthritis. And, and people tend to tolerate that for, for a good chunk of time until, I mean, their quality of life starts to diminish and they need something more done. Um, and uh, once somebody has failed those measures and Obviously, when you're doing a test, you're going to be looking for those things. They're going to tell you that they are a 60-year-old construction worker who's tried two rounds of physical therapy. They're getting gastroenteritis from prolonged ibuprofen use and uh, bracing no longer helps. What are you, what's your next step? And they're pushing you down a more aggressive intervention like a surgery. And so what are some of the surgical treatment options for patients with ankle arthritis? Yeah. So there, there are a lot of different options, you know, um, you know, there are a lot of things you have to take into consideration when, you know, evaluating these patients, what's the level of arthritis, what do the x-rays look like, you know, where is the majority of the arthritis is there any ankle impingement? So we'll kind of just go through majority of what some of these different options are. So one, you can have ankle debridement or one, one surgical treatment option is going to be ankle debridement with anterior um, or tibial dorsal tailor exostectomy. So these are going to be for the patients that have impingement is going to be most of their uh, problems. And you'll see uh, and you'll see like a little overgrowth or you'll, you'll see um, you'll see signs of impingement. So if you see, you know, um, really bad, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the <laughs> word for it, uh, the like the out what's the word for like the outporching of the <laughs> oh man on the tail you have a um oh i'm blanking on the, the word osteophyte osteophyte i think yeah like i don't know like a little door like osteophyte that you have when you when you dorsiflex so you again these patients have pain with forced dorsiflexion and they have a little osteophyte and their arthritis isn't too bad you know these patients may be ones that may benefit from an ankle and debridement with uh with the exosectomy of that osteophyte if they have impingement another option you know if you have bad arthritis is distraction arthroplasty and so this is where you know you have a, a an x fix is used to offload the joint you know one of those circular frames and the thought process behind that is you know, offload the joint it should be able to kind of get rid of some of that arthritis or try to just decrease some of that pain. Again, this is controversial, um, but it is an option. Other options are if you have a patient that has mild disease and then malalignment is going to be their main issue. So they have some type of uh, alignment issue. These are patients that may benefit from an osteotomy, you know, supra malleolar osteotomy. So say, for example, you have a patient that comes in, they have a pretty bad varus deformity, but their arthritis isn't too bad. And they're a younger patient. You don't necessarily want to fuse them yet. 
you could do a medial opening wedge tibial osteotomy, which, you know, again, you make a cut and you make a, you open a wedge up to help decrease that various deformity. And what about the opposite? If you have somebody that has a valgus deformity that comes in some bad arthritis in just one compartment, you could do a medial closing wedge osteotomy and as well as an oblique lengthening fibula osteotomy. Again, so if you think they're in valgus, the foot's going to be facing, like I guess you'd call outwards, and you need to get or swing the uh, the ankle back and so it's back in neutral alignment, you'll have to decrease that space uh, medially. And obviously, sometimes the fibula will, will can stop you um, from getting that alignment. So you may have to do an osteotomy of the fibula as well. Other options, patients that have end-stage arthritis, uh, they may be options for arthrodesis or effusion. And, you know, this can be performed via many different ways. You, this can be performed arthroscopically or versus a mini arthrotomy versus open techniques with or without internal or external fixation. So a lot of different ways, a lot of different techniques. We're just kind of going over big picture things. And you also have a total ankle arthroplasty, which is another treatment option for patients with ankle arthritis. And these ones are going to have, you know, total ankle arthroplasty, total ankle arthroplasty has been shown to have similar outcomes to arthrodesis, but with higher revision surgery rates. So that's just one thing to note. And again, that was a mouthful. Those are a lot of different options. But if you just think about it, you know, assess the patient. What do they have? You know, do they have an osteophyte and they have impingement? Then you may fix that. Are they a younger patient with a bad deformity and only arthritis on one side of their joint? They may be a candidate for a osteotomy. You know, if they have really bad end stage bone on bone uh, arthritis, it may be somebody that may benefit from an arthrodesis or a total length arthroplasty. Now, let's say we have a patient and we want to do an you know, ankle arthrodesis for them. What's the preferred ankle position for an arthrodesis? Yeah, obviously you want it to be an essentially neutral to even a little bit uh, dorsiflexed. And I mean, we'll, we'll get into the reasons why you don't want to plantar flex the ankle during an arthrodesis. Um, but really what a neutral foot or even a little bit of a dorsiflexed foot does is um, one, it helps you clear the ground. If your foot is a little bit dorsiflexed, um, the walking pattern is a little bit more uh, normal or natural. And um, the dorsiflexed foot will help with uh, the um, kind of push off because now you don't have tibio tailor motion with the push off, but you still have uh, the midfoot and you still have your digits helping with the push-off phase. And uh, so having a, a neutral to very slightly dorsiflex foot helps with all of that. And, and one thing talking about, because you brought up the kind of arthrodesis versus arthroplasty and, and how those, uh, like the, the difference between those, obviously arthroplasty is going to preserve motion and right. arthrodesis takes away motion. Um, and you're, you're totally right with the uh, kind of increased reoperation or revision rate to, for uh, arthroplasty. Another question that will probably come up during your five years as a resident or possibly on the uh, ABOS is um, what is the advantage of arthroplasty over arthrodesis and 
it's not necessarily the preservation of joint motion because if you really watch somebody with tibio-talar fusion, they walk almost normal. It's very hard to tell what sort of procedure they've had, but what you can have is increased gait speed and stride length with arthroplasty. Mm. And that question will come up. It'll, they'll, they'll say like, you have this patient, they are considering arthrodesis versus arthroplasty. What is the, what is one difference between arthroplasty and fusion? And they'll talk about gait speed or stride length. So Remember that with arthroplasty, you have better gait speed and an increased stride length to make their walking appear more normal or natural. Um, so that's just one one other testing point that you'll probably see in the in the five years uh, as you uh, kind of progress through a resident um, through residency and and really ankle arthroplasty is becoming a lot more common um, because the implants are more durable. Uh, than they were 10 to 15 years ago. But again, we only have good five or 10 year data. And when you're doing this in a patient with who's only 55 years old, you're, you're hoping that they're going to live past 60, 65. And so you need a, a very durable 20 or 30 year procedure. And, and right. those, we don't really know what is what's the 20 or 30 year outcomes of these because because they haven't been around that long. So again, um, arthrodesis in neutral or a little bit of dorsiflexion and arthroplasty, you have better stride length and better gait speed. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. If you're an orthopedic resident, it's time to start building the foundation to be prepared for the OITE and ABOS Part 1 exam. The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons has partnered with leaders in the field to bring you the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Program. ROCK is an all-in-one online learning platform covering 11 subspecialties. You can access the content for free at rock.aaos.org. This platform delivers a comprehensive, structured, standardized curriculum and even includes self-assessment quizzes and performance analytics. And remember, residents never pay to access rock content. Get started today at rock.aaos.org. So um, let's say you uh, accidentally, you're, you're doing a fusion, you're kind of moving along and and your post-op films look like you, you put them in about five to 10 degrees of plantar flexion with fusion. What can you expect in those uh, patients when they walk uh, post-op? Right. So I think one of the big things if you just try to think about, it, they're trying to get their heel to touch the ground. So if your ankles and a little bit of plantar flexion, the way to, I guess, counteract that would be knee recrovatum. So these patients will have a little bit of knee recrovatum to allow their heel to touch the ground during strike. So that's why we try not to, you know, fix these patients in a lot of plantar flexion. Again, you just want kind of neutral or minimal dorsiflexion when you are fusing uh, these patients for ankle arthrodesis, that is. Now, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but might as well just go ahead and just say one more time really quickly, what is a common H&P finding seen in patients with subtalar arthritis and also this is they have if, if you have like a subtalar coalition sometimes uh, these pay or t- tarsal coalition sometimes they can complain of some of these same things 
Yeah, and, and like I said before, with the subtalar arthritis, um, because it's responsible for the inversion and eversion of the foot, you're going to have pain with those sort of activities. So walking on uneven ground, um, turning a corner, like, I mean, we may think like, oh, kind of uh, breaking someone's ankles during a, like basketball or something, but for the normal person who's not playing basketball and who just has a, a regular job or even a, a physician or something, they're going to say, yeah, you know what? It hurts every time I try and turn a corner to the right, or it hurts every time I try and turn a corner to the left. And it's because you have, you rely on the inversion and eversion of your ankle to allow that stability to, to plant your foot and turn a corner. And um, and then they're going to have limited, uh, hind foot eversion, uh, and inversion. Those are the, those are things you're going to see. And, um, I don't even think we need to go into it, but again, with, uh, subtalar arthritis, first things you do are physical therapy, um, uh, and NSAIDs and, and then, but what are some of the kind of, uh, braces you can use for subtalar arthritis? Yeah. So one thing is going to be, you know, these shoes that have these rocker soles and what this, what a rocker sole or rocker bottom shoe is, is a, is a shoe. And this is, I'm looking at the Wikipedia de definition of this, uh, but it is a shoe that has a thicker than normal sole with a rounded heel and, you know, such shoes ensure the wearer does not have a flat footing along the proximal distal axis of the foot. Um, so those that is kind of the rocker bottom shoes. Um, other things would be an AFO brace or ankle foot arthrosis. And when we talk about these, a lot of times we talk about it in these patients that may have like a foot drop, you know, in the in the on the trauma wars that we're trying to avoid going into uh, getting a, you know, heel core contracture or Achilles tendon contracture and going into plantar flexion. So an AFO brace. And another option is going to be the University of California Biomechanics Laboratory Arthrosis. I know that was a, a big, a big word um, or a big, you know, a long, a long description. But if you Google these, it almost look like a, a half boot. I don't know how else to, to describe these. <laughs> but if you look them up on Google, you'll be able to see a picture of these. And I think it's kind of good to understand and figure out what some of these different implants are because they show up on your exam and they'll all be like, you'll, you'll know that they need an arthrosis, but they'll put five different types of arthrosis up there. And I remember I had no idea what any of those were. So um, those are kind of some of the treatment options that could be used for subtalar arthritis that are non-op. Now, what about the surgical options? Any surgical options you can use to treat patients with hind foot arthritis? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're using your the patient's symptoms and their radiographs to help guide some treatment. And if they're kind of mild symptoms and they have preserved joint space that you see on the lateral uh, radiograph of the ankle, um, you you can probably get away with uh, like an arthroscopy and a synovial or chondral debridement uh, to help kind of buy them some time. And along with that stuff, I mean, uh, just kind of a more clinical note, um, with these surgical options, you're still having the patients do the the non-surgical um, kind of means as well. So it's not like an arthroscopy with a debridement is going to be the the savior of this. You're you're still going to encourage these patients for activity modifications, weight loss, 
Um, they're probably going to benefit from bracing whenever they do uh, exercise, but maybe they don't need a brace while inside the home or at work. And, and so you're kind of doing a combination of some of the surgical measures and non-surgical measures out in the real world. But test questions will typically just say non-surgical or surgical and kind of keep those things separate from each other. Um, if you have some, uh, like looking at the AP or, uh, or an oblique radiograph of the uh, ankle, um, there may be uh, extra osteophyte off the lateral portion of the calcaneus that's impinging on the fibula. So every time that foot everts, uh, they're getting pain on the uh, infralateral aspect of the ankle. If you do a lateral calcaneal exostectomy, uh, then you may um, kind of relieve those symptoms and, and help that patient. And then um, there's no arthroplasty for the subtalar joint. And um, these patients are pretty much just going to go straight to an arthrodesis if you're going to act on the joint itself. And there may be a selective arthrodesis, so like a subtalar uh, arthrodesis for exclusive uh, subtalar arthritis. You can do a talonavicular uh, fusion for isolated talonavicular disease. Um, there's other hind foot arthritis uh, issues that require a triple arthrodesis. And we'll get to this when we cover posterior, posterior tibial tendon insufficiency, but that's used for stage three posterior tendon insufficiency, which these patients, they're unable to do a single leg toe raise. They have significant flat foot with a too many toes sign when looking at them uh, posteriorly. And they have a kind of a, a rigid um, uh, or even a flex, flexible, but usually it's a rigid flat foot. So you actually have to um, force the bones to where they're supposed to be and fuse them in that way. And a triple arthrodesis is the subtalar joint the talonavicular joint and the calcaneal cuboid joint. And then, uh, and it does not involve the tibiotalar joint, which I commonly got confused in residency. I always yeah. thought that the tibiotalar joint was involved in the triple arthrodesis, but it's not. And then um, you can, for somebody who has significant uh, flat foot and a lot of hind foot uh, eversion, you can do a distraction subtalar bone block arthrodesis, which basically means that because they have such a loss of the heel height, you need to put a block in the subtalar joint to hike up their heel to, re to restore that uh, bowler's angle and uh, give them a more neutral uh, not as valgus hind foot. Um, but when you fuse these hind foot joints, what, what's motion is the most limited? Yeah. So when you fuse it, it's actually going to be the, uh, talonavicular. So a talonavicular fusion can limit hind foot motion up to 90%. So, you know, you get your subtalar, which is going to give you uh, about 50%. And then you also have your, um, uh, calcaneal cuboid gives you about 25%, but surprisingly, the talonavicular fusion can limit a lot of your hind foot motion. So, you know, you got to really think about it if you're going to have a patient and you want to sign them up for a triple arthrodesis where you're fusing the talonavicular joint. And, uh, you know, just kind of continuing on one more thing about this kind of this arthritis, uh, what structural changes are going to be seen in the foot 
of patients with tarsal metatarsal arthritis or an untreated Liz Frank fracture dislocation? Yeah, so these patients, the, the tarsal metatarsal uh, articulation is considered more of the kind of midfoot. And so you're going to get, get uh, midfoot collapse, a loss of the longitudinal arch. You're going to have forefoot abduction. And that's that kind of too many toes sign. When you look behind the patient down at their feet, you're going to see their uh, like toes, like three, four, and five kind of sticking out laterally. And that's going to be the too many toes sign. And so, yeah, you get that collapse of the longitudinal arch and forefoot abduction when you have bad midfoot arthritis or an untreated Lisfranc fracture dislocation. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of the Nail It Ortho podcast. We just talked a little bit about foot and ankle review, and we talked a little bit about arthritis and so Taylor arthritis. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of an idea of some of the concepts. And again, I hope you all are studying besides this podcast because you need to. You know, this is just another adjunct to your education. And if you have not already, please hit the subscribe button and just just be patient and hold still our review companion book slash pdf will be out soon so just stay tuned hit the subscribe button so you get updated to it all right until next time